You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, friends. This is a different kind of episode. We're workshopping it as we are in a rental car. Am I your first guest? Uh, You've, am, we've, my guest? You and I have done this once before, actually. We talked about oh. our love story. Oh. We were in California. Okay. So we've, a little bit of, we've done this oh. once before. We okay. are in a rental car driving through the Tuscan countryside. We are passing a large pond right now, which is beautiful. We are driving from the most, I mean, maybe we need to start there. We were yeah, going to that's a good place to talk start. about kind of a check-in on how we're feeling at the end of the first trimester, but we just had one of the most magical days of our lives yesterday. Yeah, I keep thinking about it. It was we so nice. We spent two nights in an Airbnb in Umbria, which is right outside of Tuscany, just to the east of Tuscany. And we didn't want to spend a lot of money. I wanted to have like the classic big rectangular pool, <laughs> which is a very specific when you look at these villas in Tuscany. It's always what they look like. We didn't want to spend a lot of money. I wanted just some place with a beautiful outside. We we're mostly just going to chill in their space yesterday. But oh my gosh, we had no idea how magical this place was that oh, we booked. Yeah. We, only, we got so in at nice. 10 o'clock at night the night before, which I do not recommend. We got there so yeah, late, but we had a lovely... Travel full day. Day driving from Rome. Also, we went to these hot springs on the way. Oh, the thermal hot springs, yeah. Which were also phenomenal. One fun. of the rare times when you've seen something on Instagram and it is... It lives up. It lives up to the hype yeah. and... I don't know how I would have found it if it wasn't for Instagram. Yeah. Like, that's the <clears throat> place that I saw it. So, yeah. we, you did a little drone. Did a little, yeah, I got a couple. there, so I'll be curious to see what that looks like. But that was clips. just, I want to research the history of it a little bit more. Yeah, it's so fascinating. It's like water, hot water coming out of beautiful waterfalls with little, like, little, like pool after little pool. sauna layers. Or not sauna, little hot tub layers. Yeah. Um, where pockets it where smells like can... sulfur but you get past yeah, that pretty quickly it's not the worst so i've been a worse worse and sulfur smelling it has these places perfect little round white oh, yeah the floor pebbles. Of, the floor of the pools is like marble like small little smaller than marbles but perfectly round spheres it was and you can see down beautiful and, everyone's just hanging yeah. out people had brought their their own to-go cups like they've yeah. made themselves like clearly this couple does this all the time. A couple yeah. in their sixties, they've Relax, got their yeah. it's therapeutic, right? There's something mugs. about the sulfur that makes you it's like cleansing. I don't know. It was There's something lovely. Really so cool. because yeah. anyway. we stopped at a town on the water and then the hot springs and then we had dinner by the lake, we didn't get there until ten, went right to bed. But then yesterday, not only was there whole area beautiful it reminded us of it's like on the top of a hill sort of the house and the <sighs> pool so you could kind of see there's a castle all, yeah you could see our castle the distance with just greenery basically like not a lot of distance. Proper, not a lot of houses around just medieval gorgeous pool gorgeous landscaping things. 
I thought there were multiple Airbnbs. I just couldn't remember. We booked it a while ago. I thought there were multiple rentals. So I was thinking there was going to be other people around. They do have two rentals. No one else was there. It was just the two of us. This couple, um, Mauro and... Adi? Andrine. Andrine? Okay. Andrine, Andrine and Mauro that are probably in their 60s. Their yeah. son, Filippo, and his girlfriend, yeah. Francesca, who were probably... Like late, late 20s, 20s. Yeah. and then Andy's sister whose name I didn't catch who's 82 and yeah, looks great. amazing <laughs> by by looks amazing I don't mean her face I mean just her uh, yeah I wouldn't guess she was 80 her yeah. spryness just moving around where you just think that is the way that is the verve that I want to have when <laughs> I'm that age so yeah. anyways most magical day just laying by the pool so calming so relaxing so peaceful but the piece de resistance is that there in our room, there's a menu. And you're like, oh, there's like sandwiches and salads and pasta and they will cook for you. And so they ask us if we want lunch. They ask us what we want. We're like, just truly whatever. We eat anything. Whatever you're making for yourself is great. Oh my gosh. They make us the most delicious homemade Italian meal. Little... She brings out an appetizer, crostini with, I'm thinking ricotta. Some kind of ricotta spread and had little... Ham and peaches. It had salmon. Oh, um, salmon. Yes, salmon and peaches. Yeah. And then these little things. I have a recording of her saying what the food was because it was the most delicious. It was like a savory... It was ricotta inside of a hash brown. Ricotta. It basically was like a hash brown. No, honey, it was rice. It tasted like oh, a hash brown, okay. but she said it was rice and vegetables. Oh my gosh, it was so delicious. Yeah, it was so good. Then we sit down, they've made us pasta. Yeah. They've made, I don't remember what else we had. Oh, we had, they also do their own. It was like that pork, we had the pork with the cheese and oh, basil. Yes. That was, yeah, really good. They make their own wine. They yeah. make their own olive oil. They have a vineyard oil. on them. Yeah, they, they have olive trees on the yeah, Literally, they're opening up the bottles of wine that they have made right there. there you can see at the their house. Vineyard, they yeah. grow their own vegetables. They bake their own bread oh my gosh. that day. That day, yeah, bread was Oh insane. my goodness, they serve us. So what was it? We had a four-course meal. We had an For appetizer, yeah. a first course, a second course, and a dessert. Oh, yeah. And then we do it all over again for dinner. <laughs> again for dinner. Another bottle of wine. <laughs> yeah. we did, oh, they brought us glasses of champagne oh, with I our forgot, lunch yeah. appetizer. Yeah. <laughs> and just the warmest, most delightful people. Jeremy said, I feel like... I'm a celebrity, which actually I, it does make sense that there would be some private villa that if you're yeah. Julia they were just Roberts so nice or whatever. And they were like, I felt like, yeah, like a celebrity or something. Like this must be what it feels like when everyone is just so like tending to you and so, you know, nice to you. The warmest people. I have a video from this morning. They come out. I mean, yesterday when we meet um, Mauro, well, we met them briefly the night before and then we went to bed. He comes out. He's in like light pink swim shorts, no shirt, yeah. little bucket hat, rattan bucket hat. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he's just like, <laughs> I turned the corner and he goes, Hilary! Yeah. <laughs> Like, he was so excited that I go yeah. out to the pool. And then this morning, I have a video of him. He's in his striped pajamas, like long pants, yeah. long Chambray. pajama top, and a uh, and a cardigan over, like these pale red and yeah. white striped pajamas, navy cardigan. 
and he like opens his arm to hug us goodbye. Yeah. For the video of him hugging and kissing, hugging and kissing Jeremy goodbye. We've been there for thirty six hours, yeah. and we just and they were really. Thought, oh my gosh, we have to come back. They were. He was a surgeon, and she was a gastroenterologist, and he said, "Then I think I've had enough." I think I've had enough. I think it's good to not do the same thing your whole life. So I decided to become a farmer. Oh, and the house, his mother was born in that house. Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah, so cool. That's just amazing. They must have had that house for at least 150 years. Yeah. And and then their son is an interior decorator, interior designer. So Mm -hmm. he built... There's this gorgeous cement couches mm. two on an angle towards each other that are kind of the center piece of this pool and he designed those they showed us their wood yeah it's wood, like a wood burning stove burning stove that it's like brick made out of they designed it looks like it was brick. super old but they just built it a few years ago yeah. and the son designed it i mean like built into the house yeah. oh, just the loveliest so that's where we are today, but tomorrow, our, well, we're, right now we're on our way to Positano. Uh, I can never remember yeah, if it's Positano or Rome Portofino. to get a train to Naples to get a car to Positano. Yes, we'll be in Positano later today. I, just this morning, I was like, I am positive that we are going to Positano. <laughs> how I am finally, for the first time in two months, remembering <laughs> the name of the place we are visiting. But then tomorrow, our surrogate has our 14-week checkup. Mm-hmm. And so we we need to find out what time the appointment is, and hopefully we don't have to wake up in the middle of the night. Because um, I meant to reach out weeks ago <laughs> and ask that she get an early appointment, um, but we've been so phenomenally busy that I forgot. So we'll see what time that is. Yeah, but I guess we're like ten hours different than California, maybe. Nine. Yeah. Nine. Yeah. Um, so hopefully she is going in the morning for work. That's usually what she tries to do. So I think that's why yeah. I figured it would probably be okay since she booked it weeks ago. But um, we, yeah, we haven't seen the baby in, I guess. I think five weeks because four. we did that one in between. Yeah, it should so, have been at 12, but she was having some spotting. So she went in, I think, at 10 and a half. Yeah, so we did. Little, and then he's like, we'll just do it again. At three and a half weeks. Yeah. And I was also realizing as we were filming this that we're going to have to be intentional about not saying the gender because we're so used to saying it when it's just the two of us oh. and I was also thinking it's so funny <laughs> how we're not so the plan for sharing the gender basically was that I asked our doctor at what point our original IVF doctor like I said when do you think <clears throat> it's like safe to tell people because my thing really was you get so much more attached when you know the gender and we felt that because we knew with IVF, the fact that the moment we found out we were pregnant, we knew the gender. That's mostly what we kept saying to each other. It was like, oh my gosh, we're having to this, we're having to this, we're having to this. And that, I think, made it so real. But then you also know, even though you have a lower chance of miscarriage because the embryo has been genetically tested, um, that it's chromosomally normal, there still is a chance. And so it's more that... I said to Jeremy, I don't want to, if something were to happen, we would be sad. I don't want to then have to manage everyone 
else is sad. Mm-hmm. Like, I think On I top was. Of that. Yes, I felt like it was less that I wanted to protect them, though, yes, that as well, but more. I was like, I think I'll feel more sad, other people feel more sad. And so it just felt, oh, this is where the other place, I think, Narni. Oh. is where their other house is. So they live at that, this couple we stayed with, they live at that house like six months of the year in the nice weather, and then they live in a nearby okay. town yeah. called Narni. Because um, I thought it sounds like Narnia. Narnia, like How yeah. magical does that sound? <laughs> yeah. That's how I remembered it. Wish we had um, time to go check it out. Yeah. So um, then she said I'd wait until like around seven or eight weeks. You've seen the heartbeat a few times. Yeah. And, um, like, that, that's, that's pretty a, a early, though, so. pretty big milestone. So, then, yeah, we passed our eight-week, and all of a sudden you were like, okay, and I just wasn't thinking about it. I was, we were just, again, so busy. Yeah. And you were like, okay, so are we telling people now? And I was like, oh, I I kind of forgot. Like, it sort of snuck up on me. And meanwhile, we had taken, I shared this on stories, we, we did take kind of gender reveal photos it really was more for us to kind of capture this season and this kind of like first trimester energy and we did know the gender and um moment for us but then eventually we will use that to also post on social Mm -hmm. left to right um so we took those photos and i was thinking we were posting them but we just got so busy and so anyways as soon as you asked like well does that mean we could help people i was like oh wait I guess, I guess we can. And I just said, uh, okay, let's, all of a sudden I just really wanted to tell my mom because it was getting so hard to not say gender with her because I talked to her so often and we talk about the baby so often, yeah. we talk about baby clothes, like it just was so much energy to not say a pronoun. And so we called my parents, which actually I guess like, okay, let's back up. I feel like, I'm curious how you feel, but I think you'll agree. I feel like the, and I wonder if other people going through IVF can relate. Like the stressful part was in the months before the embryo transfer. Mm. And I think it was also heightened for us. I mean, the end of February, I was so incredibly burnt out at work and hitting rock bottom. I had yeah. a team member quit. I'd been like, going back to hire and again there just was so exhausting and then in March we had the Elegant Excellence Journal site crash the night before it was supposed to launch yeah. we got our second surrogate match did not feel good about it were panicked and stressed that like maybe we've waited 16 months for nothing I don't know like then got our surrogate match felt so good about that. I was doing my Alex journal yesterday, like a new portrait. And one of the questions, like what are the best exact memories over the last 12 months, your favorite memories. Yeah. And one of mine is that the zoom we did meeting our surrogate for the first time. Yeah. I just felt like we were so like, just, we felt so peaceful about it. Excited. Like Mm -hmm. this feels right. This is our person. Um, we had that, Aaron was in his accident in yeah. March. Like in yeah. March, the website crashed when I was already sobered out at work and we met our surrogate and your brother had this 
hideous, traumatic accident. And then in April, we were, the surrogate was flying here. We were meeting her. We were worried that it was going to fall maybe when my sister, brother-in-law, and the kids were in town for spring break because we didn't want to tell anyone yeah. that early. We were stressed about that. There was all this admin stuff that we were trying to do, and we were trying to help with stuff with Aaron. We went to visit Aaron. We would help for a week, mm-hmm. which was so fulfilling, but also, like, the most tired we've ever been yeah. <laughs> in so. a week. We were racing to get things notarized and trying to overnight things. Then in May, we were still pushing on the admin front, and I was filming... What Makes Women Feel Beautiful, which is this huge project. I had a panic attack one night when I realized that our implant was maybe going to fall the same week as the launch. Yeah. And I was just like, how did I not realize that? It was just tough, though. There was, like, no room for error, and everything had to be planned, like, to the second. Yes. And there were trying to ju- – it's like trying to juggle everything, uh, so many pe- moving parts and pieces, and if this gets moved, then that, and then – changes the whole plan and then you have to redo everything and yeah it was very stressful yeah I said yesterday there's a exercise where you go back and kind of recap each month and the bullet points and then how were you feeling and a lot of my months around there were this is really a feeling but I just kept using the phrase day by day as I feel like I was just so focused on I have to do this today I have to do yeah. this today I have to do this today that it's kind of a surreal time because I wasn't really thinking about the future and you don't exactly know when is the implant going to take and is the first one going to take and so you're not really thinking about the future yet with the baby Mm -hmm. when are they going to be here and nothing with Aaron was future oriented I mean you were just trying to figure out what's happening this week what's happening next week who's going to be there the week after that you weren't being like okay so a year from now where are we going to be and I normally am a much more forward-thinking person. Yeah. And I think it was so draining to me that it just felt like there were so many urgent things every day. Yeah. And then we did the launch, went out to California. We're doing a photo shoot to tell my family. That was super stressful and <laughs> yeah. just... I don't know, a whole other conversation about the fact that I just feel like I get so excited about surprises and, like, creating exciting moments for people, and then they just so often do not go the way that I want them to, and, like, other people don't respond, so I don't know, like, maybe, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but it's, like, my dad literally didn't understand what's going on. Like, we have our surrogate call on FaceTime, and he's just, like, facing the photographer and the camera smiling. Like, he can't... He's yeah. just so worried about how he's going to look in the photos that he's not tracking on the fact that, like, <laughs> someone's calling on FaceTime just to your left, and we're all trying to indicate, like, get your attention yeah. over here. He's not understanding. My sister gets having a meltdown. Like, anyway, yeah. so it's just, like... That was just kind of stressful. It was fine, but it was stressful. Then we were going to tell your family there's been a calendar mistake. We realize as we're headed there that your dad is not in town. So we can't tell your parents. Like, that's devastating. Then we get to the embryo implantation day, and that was underwhelming. I mean, I've got posts on this on, um, on my Instagram that I've done on it, but, like, that day was kind of anticlimactic so I just feel like there were 
good moments in there, but it also was just kind of stressful all the way up until the moment that we found out we were pregnant. And I feel like from there, it just totally shifted into now we're just excited and this almost sense of chill of like, okay, we did, we did all the things to get to this place over so many years Mm -hmm. and you just kept saying like you, you kept saying like we, we did the right thing. We did the right thing. We felt like this is what God was telling us to do. Mm -hmm. And now we're expecting a baby like this, this is the thing. And I feel like from that point, it's been, it's felt like so much ease in this first trimester. Yeah, I agree. It's been way less uh, stressful and the energy has been just a different kind, like a calming energy as opposed to a sort of anxious, like always worried about the next thing. Are you going to drop the ball for the next thing? Do we have everything lined up? And to be fair, there were a lot of um, ad, like you said, admin work and paperwork and oh there's just so, you know, legal and stuff and insurance so stuff. So triggering to me because it felt so similar to the book publishing where I just felt people like... People would say, yeah, like you just need this you, by this time and not you any You guys are, whoa, I felt like you guys are the experts. This is what you've done for decades. I'm new at this. Yeah. Why do you not just have a clear, clean process for yeah. how to create a book how to move forward in a surrogacy process. Like it just felt so exhausting. Um, not like people were being rude in a traumatizing, gaslighting way, any of that. It just felt so disorganized. It was just really hard to get a clean timeline of when to get everything done and what to get done first because we don't want to like hold up anything. And we knew that there was an order so to it, but it, they were like, no, nah, it'll take this long. And then... We're like, okay, well, we're going to do it twice as fast just in case. And then they'd be like, oh, we're ready. And we're like, yeah, exactly. right." <laughs> and I think in both cases, there's so much financially on the line. Like with the book, yeah. it's that I was not working to make very little money to do this. Yeah. And that was so much pressure. And in this case, it was, this is so the most money we've ever spent on anything in our whole entire lives. Mm-hmm. It feels like it should be coming with white glove service, therefore. <laughs> and somehow it yeah. is not. So I think once we actually found out we were pregnant, what I realized at that point is there's nothing for us to do. Like, are you trying to figure out which one? Yeah, everyone's through? backing up and going in this one, so I guess oh, okay. I will too. Maybe that one's not working. I don't really know. Going through a toll road. Yeah, um, I think this one we take a card. As opposed to, and then we pay it later, maybe. Anyway, we'll figure oh, okay. it out. Yeah. Um, I think a big difference too is that with a surrogate, once you're pregnant, there's there's nothing else to do. Yeah. Like, right. The, That's a good point. She and the surrogacy agency are making all of the doctor's appointments. She's going to the doctor's appointments. Yeah. She's giving herself the medication. They're making sure she gets sent the medication. She's. Yeah doing the blood work she's submitting it the surrogacy agency is making sure that we're hearing back from the IVF clinic so I think at that point I haven't really thought about it like I was vaguely aware only once we got pregnant was I like 
I've got this team of people that's doing stuff for us and we don't have to do anything. (laughs) Right? Like, we're not making the doctor's appointments. We're not getting the blood work. If I had been caring, we would have been doing all of that. Yeah, that's true. And there was so much admin work before then. It was all on us. Mm. In like... Yeah, exactly. We had... Yeah, it was... From the match to the implantation. To figure all the steps. Our surrogate wasn't really doing anything. We were concerned with, like, where was her hotel? And was she getting a nonstop flight? And what were we going to do? Were were we going to have dinner with her when she was in town? Just all those little details. And all the paperwork and all the things. Even, like, all the financing. Like, all of that was us. And then once we got pregnant, no one says this. But it's almost like, okay, cool. Well, we'll take it from here. Yeah. <laughs> and suddenly I went from every single day needing to check my email because I don't use email for work. I check it like once a week. But there was so much yep. quickness back and forth there to was, suddenly yeah. I would catch, I would check once a week and I would catch up and be like, oh, look at everything right, everyone yeah. made happen. Yeah, that's true. So I think even, it wasn't even just that there wasn't admin stress it was I was actually feeling like oh wow this is so nice people are doing all this stuff for us <laughs> I, just, I don't know yeah. why they couldn't feel like that in the admin part yeah and I've said before in like the episode about wild peace that I know part of it is our privilege that while we had our own versions of trauma going through IVF and you know having so many yeah, I don't know if you call them failed or unsuccessful, but I mean, we got no embryos. So um, that's also true, but we also have the privilege that we haven't actually been through loss in that having yeah. a miscarriage, having a failed implantation. Yeah, that's way So I think way worse. the juxtaposition of how intense work plus Aaron plus all the admin mm-hmm. was, and then pretty much around the same time it was like the huge what makes women feel beautiful launch was done Aaron was transitioned into his home now into more of a rhythm and routine and we're not doing the admin stuff I think we had such an energetic shift Uh and at the same time I just really dove into my morning journaling and Mm. quiet time and just so determined to have joy and peace in this season yeah that it, it's it's kind of hard to say it's the first trimester because when did we find out we were pregnant? I guess like June 21 or 22. Yeah. So I guess it's been two and a half months. Not exactly yeah. three months, but basically two and a half months. And I'd say before that, March, April, May, June, I'd say it was like four and a half months of incredible stress mm-hmm. or incredible intensity. Mm-hmm. And now two and a half months where we've had other stressors happening in our lives where it's like coasting everywhere but specifically around the pregnancy experience yeah has just been so peaceful and also I was I've been grateful to see that the things I thought I would be peaceful around I actually have been peaceful around like when we were when she was going to her early appointments before we got released to our doctor and you're just going to like an imaging center um, mm-hmm. to get the weekly ultrasounds when you are early on in IVF 
they wouldn't let her take photos and videos. And she would take just like a really quick little snap for us. Yeah. And I was fine with that. Like that all I needed was like the one little snap photo and I didn't feel mm. frustrated. I wasn't like, oh, why will they not just like why do they not understand? It's so ridiculous. Like yeah. I felt like I had made peace with, yeah, there's things we're gonna miss out on on the pregnancy, but right. we're not doing this because we want the nine month experience of pregnancy. We're doing it because we want the lifelong experience of having a child, so yeah. being parents. And I really did feel peaceful around that. I said I didn't want to micromanage, and I absolutely haven't. I haven't yeah. worried what yeah, she's doing, what she's eating. Like, I just wanted someone that I felt trust around, and yeah. that's absolutely yeah, how I felt. And then it was just such a win when the doctor let us FaceTime in to the appointment. Yeah. And he was like, that's really cool. It's spent really like 10 minutes talking really to me that guy. first time and yeah. then it was just like icing on the cake it was like oh if we hadn't gotten to I would have been like okay right but because he was like oh yeah totally happy to have you FaceTime in anytime like I was like oh yeah. this is awesome like um I feel like the the implantation day that was where there was some a little bit of weird expectations yeah that um, day was weird but that was because a little bit there were two things that I had either clarified, I thought, or I had seen. So it, it were things that I was like, oh, I've seen a, a, a video of a couple right here in this waiting room with their little photo with their names on it. Yeah. So I I had that in my head to expect it, where I think on all the surrogate podcasts I've heard, I, I was expecting there was things that we were going to miss in those appointments. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, we, that was on par. Okay, that's fine. Sure. But I've been so grateful that I was, I feel like I was honest with myself about mm. what I was okay missing. And I was yeah. honest with myself that I wasn't going to want to micromanage. And I'm like, yeah. And I think that's really helped as well. Yeah. Exciting the expectations. Yeah. And it's weird... I was saying this to you last night at dinner. It is odd. I mean, we haven't done this before, so we don't have any other experience. But last night at dinner, I was thinking, if I was carrying, and we're at three and a half months, I think we would be saying, oh, this is back to the, the gender thing. I sort of, like, tangented. Because um, I was saying on gender that I was so excited to just tell my mom and I had, I put this pressure, I guess, on having this moment of telling my family. Yeah. And that being the big moment. And part of that also, longer story for another day, but like I didn't get that moment in our engagement, which ended up like causing a lot of pain and trauma that like mm-hmm. basically Jeremy had told everyone <laughs> that he was proposing, but then there was no like party or gathering or whatever so it's just everybody knew but I didn't get to celebrate with them and so then it felt like okay if we're only getting pregnant once like this is our chance to kind of have that moment of getting to tell people so I put so I decided okay we'll tell them that we have our surrogate master or whatever but actually 
the day that we got the pregnancy call, like that was kind of a sweeter moment of we FaceTimed each of our parents and we recorded those calls. Yeah. Like calling them to actually tell them. But then it didn't, I didn't have any plan really for telling them about the gender. I mean, I knew we were taking these photos, but I still hadn't like really deeply thought through like mm. how was I going to tell them. I was so focused originally on trying to do this photo shoot and there's this one week in the summer that we're seeing my family and so whatever stage we're at that's what we'll tell them and we'll capture it on film whatever so instead I just get so excited to tell my mom like okay let's just call so I just text my parents in the middle of the day like hey you guys around want to run something by you so in the middle of the day we just hop on FaceTime with them and um I was like hey I'm like oh well, I just I'm like oh Jeremy's here in the room you're like hi I was like oh well, I just wanted to tell you guys I just like held up a piece of clothing and I was like, we're having that, and like set the gender. Yeah. And my mom burst into tears. Oh. And it was like my favorite of all yeah. the moments that we shared with them yeah. because they really didn't see it coming. She didn't think I was going to share that soon. Yeah. And I think, again, it just makes it feel so real. Just yeah. all of a sudden, you just are thinking, like, <gasps> boy or girl like yeah and yeah that was so cute so we told my mom then I was like oh we got to tell my sister or else my mom's gonna tell my sister so we got a hold of her the next day and um I asked my niece I was like Devin do you um because we were facing with her first I was like do you want to know um I was like do you want to know the gender of the baby before it comes or do you want to be surprised like after like when the baby's here she was like um before I was like okay do you want to do you want us to tell you now or should we wait like until we see you at Christmas she was like um (laughs) my sister was like say now say Say now now. because my sister had kept asking she kept being like are you guys going to share gender are you guys going to share like whereas my mom wasn't asking but um so anyway so we told them and then we asked my nephew he came on face and we're like hey Henry do you want to know if the baby's a boy or a girl or do you want to be surprised when it comes to or or and he was like, nah, I'll wait. Yeah. <laughs> My sister was like, okay. And I'm like, all right, we'll see whether or not this comes up. But he, whatever, he doesn't really care. Um, but that was actually my favorite of the things we've yeah, done. Yeah, telling my folks was really cute. And then telling your folks yeah. was, was really cute as well. Um, yeah. But anyways, we just got busy. It took us a while to get around to telling your parents. And then we were, your family's so big. We were going to try to tell more people. We just kind of ran out of time before we left. Yeah. And then we told our friends Roshan Kaj at their wedding, because they do, Roshan has this thing where he sends people postcards from places. So they had a really cute thing. Everyone had a postcard at their, was it at the seat at dinner maybe? I, yeah, I don't know. And you were supposed we to write them a note, put it in the mailbox, and they would get sent to them. Yeah. So I was like, oh, we should put what we're having. So then the next day before we left, we were like, hey, we, we'll put this in the mail, but we wanted you to see your postcard now. So that was cute. We got to like tell them in person. Yeah, that was really cool. They're really excited. But I think at this point, it's like, I just don't quite know, like, I don't know. I just have not, like, when am I going to tell Monica? How am I going to tell yeah, Monica? Um, it's just, we don't, we don't live near anyone, basically. Yeah. So most of our friends, I mean, you're just having a phone conversation and I think Instagram does put this idea in your head 
that people are having all these moments of telling people either uh-huh. they're pregnant or the gender and you record them and you see them and so they get that expectation gets in your head and I think that's yeah. so much of it is the things that I'm at peace with I had an expectation look at that little castle yeah. up there there's just what looks like little castles all over these hills yeah um, so anyways I, I don't really know at this point I mean no offense to um you know my friends here <laughs> on the podcast but I think the focus really is on telling our friends and family and we just haven't been that focused on getting around to it so we've just been just been busy and I just haven't been thinking about it so anyways eventually we'll share but um that was to say that last night and I just realized also my computer looks like it's gonna die and we're in the car so this episode might just end at some point yeah (laughs) okay um but we um I was saying last night at dinner that if I was carrying, I think we would just be conscious that the baby is with us yeah, at all times. Totally. I mean, it's it, they're, they're literally not. And so we were saying, oh, we've got to come back to this place. We've got to come back and spend more days here. This couple is amazing. Yeah. It reminds me, for those of you that have been around, of the place in the south of France that I found on sabbatical seven years ago. Fell in love with the family. Took Jeremy back a year ago. When we were there, we were like, we're going to bring our kid back yeah. in a few years. And that's how we felt. We were like, okay, we're going to bring our kid back. But if I was carrying, we would have been saying, like, we're going to bring them back as in they are here now. And yeah. because I'm not carrying, I notice that I don't, I think I would be thinking about it, the baby, so much more all throughout the day. Yeah. Because You're always I would be feeling sick. I would be feeling yeah. more emotional. I would be putting my hand on my stomach. And yeah. so I'm realizing the things, like I said to you recently, that as soon as we found out, I... But the first day, we found out Friday night, and then Saturday I was so excited, I just made a Google Doc all day and started <laughs> putting together the nursery design and like googling what do you need for a baby registry and yeah. just like going right into mode and then I started looking on thread up for resale baby clothes and um, I've been really focused on putting together the their closet and I said to you recently I think it's because well I already knew one it's one of the only things I can order now. Like we're moving in yeah. December. I'm not yeah, putting together furniture. a nursery. Yeah. I don't even know like how tiny is the room going to be. Should I get a regular crib? Do I need to get a petite crib? Um, yeah. I know the wallpaper I want, but I don't know how, oh my gosh, we're so close to this car. Um, I don't know how big the wall is going to be. So I can't order that. Um, and so the clothing is, the only thing that makes sense. It's tiny, it's light. We can can pack it everything else I should be getting later or waiting to see if there's Black Friday after Christmas sales. But also, it's the daily visualization that I have of the baby because I can't picture their face. I don't know if they're gonna be redhead yeah. and have your coloring. I don't know if they're totally, yeah. gonna have my coloring. And you just can't picture a baby. Any babies in our family, they just look 
Yeah. Totally different. Yeah. Every one of my sister's kids doesn't look like they look now. Babies all look kind of weird. And so I just can't <laughs> picture their face, but I can picture the rest of their body. And, and, and I'm picturing our life. I'm picturing whether we're at home, if we're going to the beach, if we're going for walks, like, and so I'm thinking about when we will be together. Yep. And so it's not just that I'm so obsessed with the clothes shopping, but it's this connection point every day. Could you turn the air on a little bit more? Um, that I have had. And then I also was realizing yesterday, I mean, I've been conscious of this over the last couple months, that we, I notice signs so much more, which are two things, basically. The day of our embryo transfer, we were in Central Park, and a huge orange butterfly just landed on your leg out of nowhere. And then that night, there was a lightning storm yeah. with no thunder. Big electrical storm, yeah. And the colors in the sky were so amazing. And so since then, when I see butterflies and when I see like a certain color in the clouds um, that like reminds me of that night, those are my two reminders of the baby. Yeah. And so, like yesterday, there were butterflies all oh, yeah. over. And each time, I would think like, oh, that's the baby. Like, like not yeah. that I think it's the, the literal baby, but it's that little just kind of <laughs> wink and connection. And I've never been that person. I've never been a signs person. Yeah. Where, and I, I guess I understand a little bit more now, maybe people who have been through loss and their association with a rainbow. Do you know how a rainbow mm. is tied to baby loss? Okay, I didn't know that. Um, yeah. And or they call it a rainbow baby when you have a baby after having experienced loss. Uh, it's kind of like the, interesting. the color after the rain. So I can appreciate now if you've had a loss that when you see a rainbow, it just gives yeah. you that reminder of that energy that is out there somewhere. And... So those are the little things. Or like last night we were watching the sunset and I just, we, we were looking, I felt like I saw like an outline of a baby in the cloud. Yeah. We were talking about that. And I think it's just interesting. I'm sure it would have been a very different experience if I was caring. And this is just what our experience is. I would imagine if you've done both, if you carried and then you use a gestational carrier for your second, that might feel odd because you you were used to feeling like the baby was with you as yeah. a couple every day. And for us, it's like the baby is in California. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just, I never, I didn't ever thought about that part, I guess. There's certain things that I heard people talk about on surrogate podcasts. And one of them was not that you are conscious you're not with the baby and you're not thinking about it as much because you aren't caring so what are the things that do bring it to mind Mm -hmm. and is it common that other people see more signs or is it common that other people like start buying buying items earlier than you might in other pregnancies because it's just a thing to do each day and I feel like I'm slowing down on that a little bit but I think in the beginning it was like my only daily 
exercise, like it was the only change in my day yeah. that all of a sudden we were pregnant is that every single day I would check to see what the new things were on thread up that day or do a little bit of other research. It's like what I'm doing on the computer is the only um, difference. So, okay, we have switched to our iPhones. <laughs> the audio quality may change in here. Um, I told you how a couple, a few weeks ago, a month ago or so, I saw that the leader of the conservative party in Italy, or maybe the person that's like on track to be their president or something, being against surrogacy is one of their top things that they care about. And they have, they equate it to, uh, it's worse than pedophilia. Is to have a surrogate, um, so we would be seen as worse human beings than child molesters, and uh, would end up in jail for having a child this way. Really, that's the law now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. And. Why they care so much? It seems like a random thing, right? <laughs> exactly. There's, I mean, but that's how I feel. In is the... this something to do with the church? Is there something in Catholicism that is? Uh, I don't. Under... I didn't see anything about that. I mean, I just feel like it's the same thing in the U.S. I just feel like we have such an emphasis on trying to control people's bodies and sexuality, when in reality there are so many children that are hungry, they don't have medical care, they don't have education, there are so many women that are in abusive situations that need safe places to go. I mean, there's so many humans that are struggling to survive and thrive and live that we could be uh, focused on, and instead we are focused on sex and body parts and who we can control and... I think it just distracts from having to actually care for people by focusing instead on who you can control. So it's very similar to the U.S. and I think it's going to get worse in the U.S. I think the reproductive rights issues that we have, that there are going to be states where couples are not going to be able to do what we have done, like in just doing IVF in, um, you know, some people do have to do IVF and they make, you know, 12 embryos in one round. And then they're going to try to pass laws saying you have to use all of those embryos. But we don't have a culture where it's sustainable to raise a family of 12. It's so many less people are having kids because it's hard to even financially raise one kid. So we're going to pass these laws. But what you're really going to end up doing then is making people too terrified to do IVF because what if they create more embryos than children they can financially afford? Yeah. So you're just harming, you're just making sure that other life that is deeply desired doesn't exist by protecting cells that are so small the human eye can't even see them 
rather than prioritizing the lives that already do exist that have this very human desire, not saying all people do it, but is, it is a very human desire to have a family, to be a parent. Yeah. And we have one to two million uh, more couples that want to be parents or individuals than there are adopted children in the U.S. And so for us to say that we are pro-life and yet what we really mean is only until you get here and then if you have a desire on your heart such as to be a parent no we don't we don't want to support you in thriving we don't want to support your dreams we're gonna like shut all of that down because we're choosing a couple of cells over you a fully formed you know 35 year old woman or man so anyways I know that this is I realize this is the policy in Italy just like four weeks ago or so and it's interesting how often something I didn't expect in surrogacy is how often I would need to tell someone that we're using a surrogate like the very first night we found out we were pregnant and we go to dinner and we had said on the reservation that we were celebrating an anniversary and so he said, like, oh, what do you, like, I see you're celebrating something. And he brought over uh, a special drink yeah. when we were sitting down. And I said, oh, yeah, we just found out we're pregnant. And I said, via surrogate, I'm not carrying. So yeah. you don't have to feel badly about the drinks. Because <laughs> I thought for someone to bring that over and you're like, oh, shoot, she's pregnant. She can't have the yeah. drink that I just brought her. So from literally we'd been pregnant, we knew we were pregnant for like under two hours. And I already had to tell, specify to a stranger how we are having the baby, which I don't care, I don't mind doing. But it's been interesting the times when, like I had to say it at the wedding, we were saying goodbye to Kajal's mom. And she said like, oh, they're um, like, do you know they're having a baby? And I saw her mom's eyes do a quick flick down to my stomach which is a very normative thing you're sort of like oh they're expecting am I is there a baby bump you know it wasn't like an awkward why are you looking at my body that makes total sense but in the millisecond that I see her eyes flick to my stomach then I say uh yes like we're expecting in the um in the spring via surrogate and then her mom was like oh that's that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. And then it made it seem like I was being d- defensive yeah. or something by saying it, which I wasn't. And so I, f- I feel like a lot of times when I say it, it's almost like there's a sense of the person on the other end. It's almost like I feel like I'm over explaining. Yeah. Like they're sort of like, Oh, okay. I didn't, I, I don't, I don't really care either way. Like, or oh, like, okay. I didn't really need to know that. But because I had said it multiple times during the wedding, because I knew we were going to be drinking. Yeah, exactly. And so I said, like, be a surrogate, so no worries if you see us drinking this weekend. I don't even feel like I drink that often, but it's when you're out... It's when you're out of the house. It's when you're at a meal, you're at a wedding. Yeah. And because I'm going to have a drink and have it in my hand is really the reason why I feel the need to say it. So anyways, I thought a couple weeks ago about that we should have put on our hotel reservation in Capri 
that we are celebrating our anniversary. And because maybe they would like bring us a bottle of wine or something. Yeah. And, um, which this is our anniversary trip, by the way. I don't just mean like <laughs> we're going around doing that, but this is our <laughs> five year, yeah. five year anniversary trip a couple weeks late. Um, and anyway, somehow in my head, I thought that I might, it, it might come up like that we're having a baby or something. And that again, I might need to explain it because I was drinking. If this was like a waiter at the restaurant or a concierge, like someone that we're going to see over the few days, you know, if it comes up, if we like bought an item of baby clothing, I don't know, something just, you kind of don't know how it might quickly pop up in conversation and how, if I were to say that, people could think, oh my gosh, you, what a hideous, immoral couple. Like, to the same extent of going to visit a country that, you know, can imprison you for being gay. Yeah. And you suddenly have the thought, I should, I should hide this. I should lie about this. Yeah. Just to avoid being judged because, well, obviously not all of the country feels this way. You don't know who yeah, will. Yeah, you don't know And I to. thought, would I say, like, via adoption? Because that's, so that's usually what happens in Italy is the people lie and they say they've adopted a baby. Yeah. When they actually use a surrogate out of the country. Wow. Um, and so I was like, would I lie and say via adoption... And the fact that that even crossed my mind is so wild. And then I thought about it last night when we were talking to the couple. I was going to say to them, like, oh, yeah, we'd like to bring, we'd love to come back. We'll have a baby by then. Yeah. And I was like, oh, is that like, but is that going to be a bad thing to bring up? And then I was thinking I'd been to their profile because I was looking for his name. So I was on their Airbnb looking at everyone's reviews. And, um, saw that it said that they're vaccinated for COVID. Are we going the right place? I don't know. We might have missed it. Or maybe if you can yeah. use this. And... Okay. We got lost. <laughs> <laughs> Our yeah. phones do not always work out here in the countryside, so Jeremy's phone was not connected, and therefore the map was not longer working, but we didn't know the map was no longer working. So, anyways... This is just to say that I saw in their Airbnb profile that they are vaccinated for COVID. And so then that made me feel like they were not super conservative and I could mention the baby and if it came up, not worry about it. Yeah. So anyways, I mentioned this morning that we would like come back with the kid. They didn't have a follow-up. Totally fine. But I just didn't, I guess that's the biggest I would say that my three biggest takeaways to to close this out in the first trimester are I feel as peaceful as I hoped I would feel, which is so wonderful and like not feeling the need to micromanage, not feeling disappointed about certain things. But I didn't, I didn't realize just how much ease it was going to feel being like, oh, all of our admin work part is done. Like it's actually been better than I expected in that way. To I didn't think about the baby being with us every day or not, and so I didn't know that 
buying the clothes was going to make me feel connected. I didn't know that there were going to be these two things that happened on the day of the Ember transfer and now butterflies and clouds were going to feel like these little signs of like yeah. how I was feeling connected. And then three, I didn't know how often it was going to come up and how it was going to sometimes feel a little uh, a little odd in conversation, a little bit like I'm over-explaining, and then especially, I mean, of all places we could have been going on vacation during yeah. this, to read about that in Italy, it is not like it's been a huge part of our experience here, but it just is unusual to be going through such a unique life experience that few people go through, Yeah, and be in a country that has been so public about being against that thing, that as someone who is white, straight, Christian, like, I'm never in that demographic, yeah. really, and the fact that it even crosses your mind in conversation, you think, how many people are there that have parts of their life and their story that they are thinking about that and pre-rehearsing? What would I say in this scenario? What are the clues I would go off of as to whether or not this would be a safe person to be honest with um, has been a little unusual so (laughs) but looking forward to hopefully as long as we're awake seeing baby tomorrow and getting another good update yeah can't wait and then I guess we'll have an appointment probably at 18 weeks and then we'll be out there at 20 weeks yeah. That's crazy. Six weeks from tomorrow, yep. we're going to be out there for the the anatomy scan and getting to meet, like, her kids and more of her family. Yeah. My mom's going to come with us. Really cool. My mom's going to get to meet her. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That suddenly feels so fast Yeah. that in six weeks, we're going to be at five months, but you still have a long way to go. But at that point, I think also because so much of our timeline is chopped up. Like, by the time we go out there... Take the exit toward Roma Centro, Ronde Roccordo on Alare. All right. It always cracks me up how she has no accent when we're traveling in foreign countries. Um, I feel like they should. there should be one, right? You should be able to listen to, like, a man who's like, Take the exit for Roma Centro. Take the exit for Roma Centro. Take the exit toward Roma Centro. I'm sorry, Centro. It was masculine. Thank you, Heidi. All right. Friends, we love you. We'll talk to you soon. We're headed to Roma Centro. (laughs) Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is this segment of the show that I came up with so that on an episode like this, I could pop on and add a uh, epilogue, which I am recording from the bathroom in our Airbnb in Positano as I put on my makeup because I was thinking, I feel like I wasn't clear enough. I said something to the effect, uh, yesterday we were recording of like, you know, when it comes to sharing the gender with the baby, no offense to our friends here, but like our, you know, IRL friends and family are the most important. And what I meant by that was, it's not that I'm like, I'm not like holding out for a big reveal on social media. And I think it's that so often 
that's how we view people's lives because we do share things on social. And so it seems like, oh, you're trying to have this reveal moment. And I, I talked about this a little bit when we did our sort of, again, gender reveal photo shoot, although it doesn't even, it doesn't feel like a gender reveal. It feels like a first trimester photo shoot for Jeremy and I, that like, because we knew the gender so early, which is not typical, you can know in IVF, and it just sort of captures like our life in Brooklyn and when we were the only two that knew, whatever. Um, but I said on Instagram when we were doing that photo that I was so conscious of like, and then it, first of all, a gender reveal that isn't at the birth is rare because we've only had that in the last, we only had the technology in the last couple of decades, right? But then you add in social media and you just think about how many experiences now we tie through that lens that social is where is how people are sharing that they're pregnant, that they're engaged, that they, you know, bought a house or whatever. It's like how we spread news. And on the one hand, that's great where even if you just think about your personal friends and family, like we can be more connected than ever um, in that way. And you get updates on people that you, you wouldn't otherwise, you're not that close, you know, so close. Maybe they wouldn't have texted you. Maybe you would have had to like run into them in person to know. Um, so it's not inherently bad. But I guess I've just been really conscious in this process of making sure, and I don't really know why, but just really making sure that like I'm doing things for us and for myself, not for social media. And obviously I'm gonna like, you know, share share the gender with my community here. It's not about withholding that. I think what I was saying is it's I haven't even thought, I'm not thinking about like, ooh, when am I going to, when am I going to reveal the gender? It's literally like, okay, so when we get home, we probably should uh, start calling Jeremy's friend, or Jeremy's siblings, and sharing with them, and then we need to figure out how we're gonna tell um, our friends, et cetera. And part of that too is just, it's not even there as in we need to have this big moment. Like, I think we both did want to have that with our parents, but now it's really just a good way to connect. Like Jeremy's family is so big. We don't talk to them um, all, all that often. Like, none of them really do. There's just so many of them. So I think especially the siblings with kids, we noticed when we shared that we were pregnant that, like, we heard most from the two siblings with kids. I think when you're a parent, you're like so excited that someone else is gonna be coming to parent, you relate so much. So specifically, we were like, let's make sure to FaceTime both those couples. It's just a great reason to get both couples on FaceTime, which is not normally something that happens. And so I think it's more that, more that you're saying, oh, this is a, a cool opportunity to connect. Um, my friend that is overseas right now, like would it, be making more of a point to say, hey, let's set up a FaceTime date just because it's a good excuse to do that. Um, and so I think that's what I'm trying to articulate is that I think normally it would be, when are you going to reveal the gender, right? A reveal is like, there's a secret and it's gonna be like a moment as opposed to, yes, yeah, just information to share and, 
you you get to connect with people on that and it does I think for us as I said in the car the gender just makes it so much more real and I think for your family for your friends being able to picture that um yeah just kind of snaps it more into focus and I think it solidifies also because I'm not carrying There just is, because you know you don't have those visual moments. No stranger, no friend's family are gonna comment on, I'm, I'm looking pregnant, or we're looking more pregnant, or we're getting closer. So I also wonder if part of it with, is surrogacy and just wanting to have more of those experiences and moments even for Jeremy now we're like yep we're having a baby we're getting closer we're past the eight-week mark now we've told our parents we're into the second trimester now we're telling more friends and family and I guess it's just separating like the the beauty that is social media and then also wanting I guess to have more of like a personal and timeless experience rather than one that feels like it's driven by creating content, right? And maybe subconsciously, I don't know, I'll see when I get into actual motherhood, but I, I wonder how much of that is subconsciously have I picked up how people do or don't share motherhood on social in ways that haven't haven't resonated with me. Um, I, I do have thoughts on that that are not fully fleshed out, that there's some people that I feel like they never really acknowledge parenthood. And then there's other people where it's kind of like a daily dialogue of what's happening with their kid. And then there's people in the middle that you're very aware that their parents but some of them are just kind of talking about the, the little highlight experiences of that, you know, like we're seeing what their kids are wearing and, and cute little things and basically a lot of affiliate links, like here's what our kid is playing with. And then there's people who talk about the experience of motherhood. And I think that's, it's not their entire life personality brand, but it's really more about them than it is the child. And I think that's what I resonate with. And so I don't really know if it's a subconscious reaction to just not wanting to feel like our kid is this like content centerpiece. Is it, that, is it that deep or is it not that deep? <laughs> In that it's literally just, we have so much going on. I wanna have these meaningful touch point conversations and gosh, I just got deja vu. Isn't that so weird when that happens? Um, I wanted to have these meaningful touch point conversations as part of our experience that makes it more and more real. And then sharing far and wide on social media which also includes all the friends that we aren't close enough that we would call and text, right? Like our other broader community of old family friends and people we went to church with and things like that. Um, maybe that kind of feels like it's the last step, but weirdly because I'm 
a content creator, it feels more, I guess by not posting, it feels like I'm trying to build up to sharing, which is not at all the reality, but I guess that's where the, I don't know. Those are my thoughts, friend. Those are my thoughts. Love you so much, mean it. See you on Instagram, bye. next Wednesday.